Yesterday, 29-year-old Armagh man Aaron Brady was convicted of the capital murder of Detective Gartha Adrian Donoghue outside Lordship Credit Union in 2013. A capital murder carries a 40-year sentence, but it's not over yet, as Gartha Deputy Commissioner John Toomey warned at least four other people involved in the murder and robbery that they will be tracked down. A separate criminal investigation is ongoing into witness intimidation. A video of a witness being interviewed by Gartha was circulated on social media with messages branding him a tout or rat in what Justice Michael White described as the most outrageous contempt of court he had ever seen. Yesterday it emerged that this man and another four witnesses did not give evidence at the trial. Well, I'm joined now by Dermot O'Hearn, former Justice Minister and TD for Louth, Alison Morris, Security Correspondent with the Irish News and Ronan Lupton, Barrister and Chair of the Association of Licensed Telecommunication Operators. And good morning to you all and thank you all very much for joining us this morning. Um, Alison, I might start with yourself uh, because Garda Deputy Commissioner John Toomey, as I said, he was very clear yesterday that the Garda investigation into this incident is not over, telling at least four other suspects that, and I quote, we will be knocking on your door and we will make sure that you pay. So I wonder, do we know how close are Garda to further arrests in, in the murder of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue? They identified almost all the suspects very early on in this investigation and we know that at least three of the other key suspects also are all from South Armagh. Two of those suspects are brothers who also are known to to flip between America and and Northern Ireland. And all of those are firmly in the Garda sites. And what you'll find is that this very lengthy trial, a lot of the evidence that was put um, to the jury in relation to Aaron Brady will also be put to future juries in relation to other suspects should they be charged. And a lot of it was being tested in front of the jury for that time, but a lot of that evidence crosses over. It's not specific to Aaron Brady, although a lot of the the evidence in relation to witnesses in America was specific to him. Um, So I think that the other people who are involved in that should be very worried. They would be very well known in the South Armagh area. They were a a small gang of of criminals who were involved in creeper burglaries. They were involved in stolen car theft and selling cars across the border. And they were involved in a number of armed robberies, including at least one other credit union robbery prior to this. Um, These are people who, if you think, you know, at the amount of money that was involved here, I think one of the most stark things that came out was they got €7,000. You know, that man lost his Mm -hmm. life. You know, Gardadon, who lost his life in relation to that that small pitiful amount of money. These are people who were who were who were ruthless and who were getting more and more desperate as time went on. They had accrued large debts. They were desperate for money. And I think that having watched how this trial developed, the other suspects in this case will have been watching very closely, and they will know that a lot of the evidence that applied to Aaron Brady that convicted him in front of that jury is also very specific to them. So I think they will be very worried. And what I also found, I think, in relation to this investigation that we would see in, in future investigations was the cooperation that existed north and south. We know the cooperation between the PSNI and Angarda Shikana had got much better over recent years. But I think the level of cooperation in relation to this case, um, and I know that it, it was said at the end of the trial, you know, if you kill one member of law enforcement in any jurisdiction, well, then you may as well, you know, have killed somebody in that jurisdiction. There was that amount of manpower went in. To, to searching for these people and the investigation was complex. It was very impressive when you look at the, the details that went into it and the amount of time um, and police work that was spent bringing Iron Brady to justice. Mm. Um, so I think that there's obviously 
people who should be very afraid right now, having watched this verdict yesterday. And as I said, Alison, Justice Michael White also made comments about the posting up on social media of a leaked video that showed a witness being interviewed by a Gardaí. Um, he said that it was the most outrageous contempt of court he had ever seen. Um, how big a factor was witness intimidation in this case? And, and, and is it an issue that we're seeing around social media and trials more generally, do you think? We know that there was a, a number of witnesses who had originally came forward and given information in relation to specifically witnesses who were um, other Irish citizens living in America who then felt that they couldn't come forward and actually give evidence to the trial and that was because of witness intimidation. Their names were very well known in the community and we could see, as, as was said yesterday, there were some shocking levels of witness intimidation in this case. You know, we still have non-jury trials in cases where there's paramilitary involvement um, in this case, the, there was a jury who were, I'm sure, at that point in time and very brave and should be commended for giving so much of their time and so much bravery and existed in this, but in the witnesses as well and those who were brave enough to come forward. But there's, there's a body of work here to be done to protect people in trials like this and protect their identity. We've had um, a review up here of how witnesses are treated in relation to certain crimes, but I don't think that there was enough protection given to the witnesses in this case. And if we're, the, um, we're really serious about bringing the remaining perpetrators to justice, that's something that's going to have to be addressed to give okay. people the confidence to okay. come forward and give evidence. Uh, Dermot Hearn, I might go to yourself then as a former Minister for Justice and also a TD for Loud. Uh, can you tell me what was the reaction locally to the news yesterday that Aaron Brady had been found guilty of, of the murder of Adrian Donoghue? Well, I would think one of relief uh, that justice has finally been done and hopefully that uh, more people will be found uh, guilty of this heinous crime because it had a seismic uh, effect on uh, the local community. Uh, Adrian was so well liked. Um, He was a gentle giant. He was so heavily involved in the uh, local community and um, the fact that he was gone down in such a callous way. And then, unfortunately, two years later, Tony Golden out in Omeath was also uh, gone down uh, so there has been uh, a sort of a cloud over the area for, for quite a long time, but hopefully we will get some relief out of what has happened yesterday. And obviously my thoughts go to his wife Carol, Caroline and uh, the wider family. Gather, uh, Detective Gather Joe Ryan, who was in the car with him at the time, must have had uh, an awful time over the last um seven years, and indeed the staff of uh, the Lordship Credit Union. But I think um, the people who really deserve great credit are the people who came forward as witnesses because, as Alison has said, um, it's quite clear that there was a significant level of uh, witness intimidation, attempted witness intimidation in this case. And the guards had to work with that, and that makes the guards job all the more difficult. Um, yeah, now, I wanted to ask you about that. What is the impact of a case like this on the guards? Well, it's... it's it, I have to say, you know, from the minute it happened, um, I think the guards in Dundalk had a very good idea uh, who was responsible, but obviously they had to get the evidence. And they spent the last seven years, I have to say, I I, I worried uh, that ultimately, because a lot of the evidence was circumstantial and a lot of the evidence coming from America was, you know, Sometimes it, it mightn't stand up in court. Um, I, I did worry that uh, they, they they might not get a conviction in relation to this, but it's it's to the eternal credit that the guards, um, the PSNI, and the the US uh, police service work so closely together uh, to bring uh, Mr. Brady to 
justice and hopefully uh, more will follow. You knew uh, Garth Adrian Donahue yourself personally? I did, yes, I did. As I, I would have known most of the guards uh, around Duntalki. He was a lovely man. Um, as I said, a gentle giant. Uh, you know, he would do anything for anybody. Um, and he had a great disposition. Um, but to, to see the way in which he was murdered so callously within 58 seconds, uh, as, as your previous contributor, Alison, said, for, for 7,000. But gangs like this have operated along the border, used the border for many, many years. And there were times when perhaps the cooperation between the Gardaí and the PSNI wasn't as good as it is today. Uh, but there's still a difficulty because there's still intimidation goes on. Uh, we only have to see it in relation to crimes like um, Paul Quinn, uh, who was murdered a number of years ago, and nobody really has come forward in relation to that because for fear of intimidation. Uh, and that's the type of climate, and that's why, you know, in certain circumstances, uh, I had to do it when I was Minister for Justice in relation to the Special Criminal Court. I had to bring in very strict um, gangland crime legislation, uh, not necessarily in the border area, but right across the country, because there was quite a significant evidence of witness intimidation. And, you know, any of us who know witnesses who are involved in these cases know that they are distraught at the thought of having to go into a box and give evidence against people who are clearly dangerous people. And particularly in this era of social media, I congratulate the judge and the people for for finding out about this and hopefully they will prosecute Mm. people in relation to the social media campaign, um, which is even a a more sinister uh, element of witness intimidation that's possible nowadays because of... Um, social media. Yeah, and indeed we're going to discuss that in just a moment, but uh, just finally for yourself, Alison, we know that a capital murder case carries a sentence of of 40 years. Will Aaron Brady serve 40 years? That would be his minimum tariff, and so he would be expected to serve 40 years. He could actually serve more. Um, You know, the the court keeps decide not to release him after the 40 years. So he'll be, you know, he'll be an elderly man by the time he is released from prison. Um, And those who, who were with him on that night and those who helped him and those who have helped him since I think we'll be we'll be very concerned when they look at that sentence. I think that you know a capital murder sentence is a rare thing. We don't have them that often. He will be one of the longest serving prisoners on this island um, when he is sentenced to, to serve 40 years. Um, and so I think you know it, it's there for a reason. That high sentence carries a, a, is there for a reason. It's a deterrent. It's a deterrent mm-hmm. against this kind of, kind of crime. Well, as I said, we're also joined on the line by Barrister Ronan Lupton, who is uh, also chair of the Association of Licensed Telecommunications Operators. And, and thanks for staying on the line, uh, Ronan. We've been discussing there, uh, Dermot and Alison, the uh, comment by the judge in this case that uh, that the the most it was the most outrageous contempt of court he had seen in his career. That a video of a witness telling Gardy that he had heard Aaron Brady admit to murdering a police officer was circulated on on social media with the the text describing the witness as being a tout and a rat. Um, yeah. it's an ongoing theme now isn't it this this aspect of social media and its role in trials and how it's circumventing the law really social media what, what do you make of it in, in major absolutely. cases such as this one well absolutely I mean the key question for me is how does a video of an interview that's been taken by the state apparatus find its way onto the internet uh, and social media the, the answer is there and the question is how do you investigate that particular question um, ultimately you know somebody took steps to leak that um, mm. and it went what we call I suppose viral uh, at this stage and, and what we see then as a result and as was widely reported yesterday, yesterday was witness intimidation 
And just picking up from Alison and Dermot's points, we have the special criminal court in this country, which was really put in place to um, deal with, with terrorist offences, but also serious gangland offences, where the main theme and, uh, and thread was witness intimidation. And, and what we're seeing now is a situation where pervasive internet access and devices and platforms are being used in community circumstances to intimidate witnesses in exactly the same way as they would have in the offline world. It's a serious issue. Mm. The judge was absolutely correct in his comments that the mischief that's been done um, uh, by uh, concerned parties, and I'd go even further and say possibly criminal, criminally liable parties connected to this particular case and other cases, is of a very serious um, nature. Yeah, but he, he also said he was, he was powerless mm-hmm. to prevent it, he said, this, oh, this, the dissemination of this kind of video online. So, oh, absolutely. I mean, are I, we powerless? I, I, are we at the mercy of social media? Well, there's a couple of points on that. I think, firstly, um, Minister Josepha Madigan brought forward a contempt of court bill in 2017 that wasn't reached during the currency of the previous doll. We do need powers on the statute book that aren't there at the moment. Uh, secondly, um, as I mentioned, the pervasive nature of the internet means that once the genie is out of the bottle and the publication uh, occurs, whether it be a video or a defamation or something to do with uh, information being disseminated that prejudices the integrity of a trial, uh, ultimately it's out there and that's all that can, uh, that can happen. It's very difficult for a court to retrofit. Uh, a court can grant an injunction or a blocking order, but it's extremely hard for a court to turn around to a social media company and say, I now want you to go off and take down um, information that's up there. We saw this in the Anacredio trial, as you remember, Sarah, where information was circulated concerning the identity uh, of of, of defendants. And the judge took, I think it actually might have been Judge White as well, uh, together with Judge McDermott, took steps to uh, uh, direct um, the removal of of information that had been disseminated concerning that particular uh, incident. Well, no doubt, Ronan, I think it's, yeah, I think it's it's a problem, it's an issue, a bigger issue than we have time to discuss, I think, this morning, because we'll have to come back to it again, and no doubt we will be coming back to it again. But thank you very much for joining us this morning. That's Ronan lupton Barris and Chair of the Association of Licensed Telecommunications Operators. We're also joined by former Justice Minister Dermot O'Hearn and Alison Morris, Security Correspondent with the Irish News. Back after this. Today with Sarah McInerney on RTE Radio 1.